series, Why the Nativity, and this one is focusing on Why Joseph. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's sometimes referred to as the forgotten man of Christmas, that is Joseph, the man who was chosen to be the adoptive father of our Lord Jesus. You know, the goal of many young people nowadays is to someday be famous. Celebrity endorsements influence the popularity of breakfast cereals, sportswear, even the election of our highest officials. Some people's only goal in life is to be an influencer. A real man in Joseph's day, and still today, is a man who desires a good reputation above prestige. As we see in today's message, Joseph was an honorable man who trusted God, lived his faith, and sought to, to treat others with dignity and respect. Perhaps that's why God chose Joseph of Nazareth to be the father and protector of the Savior of the world. The decision to stand by Mary was not an easy choice to make. Joseph had to trust the message of God sent in a dream over the Torah law that had been the compass of his life. In scripture, Joseph stands silent. He's spoken to, he's spoken about, but not a single syllable crosses his lips as recorded in scripture. He is viewed by many people as, you know, just a bit player and extra in the Christmas drama. According to Matthew's genealogy, Joseph was a potential king because he was a person of royal blood in the lineage of David. And yet we know very little about him. He appears on the scene in one moment and then disappears. Judging from Mary's sacrifice of two turtle doves at the temple, we may assume that he was a poor man. We know he was a carpenter, and as such, he was probably a simple and practical man. He would have liked the feel of wood and stone, the satisfaction of having built something sound and useful. We can imagine that, like Mary, he had envisioned an orderly and ordinary life. He would pursue his craft, maintain a good name in the community, attend the synagogue, and raise a family. In Jewish culture, the groom is the focus of the wedding. Joseph must have looked forward to the celebration and then to the simple life that he would follow, taking Mary into his household and of having children. But after the angel Gabriel told Mary 
that she would conceive by means of the Holy Spirit and bear the Messiah, Mary left town and didn't tell Joseph about her visit from the angel. Luke 1 verses 39 through 42 says, Now Mary arose in those days and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judah, where she encountered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and said in a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. Through Joseph, we will see how Jesus, excuse me, how God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. First, we have Joseph's discovery of Mary's baby. We read of that in Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So you see there was a marriage contract, but no ceremony, no physical union at this point. And yet Mary is with child. Now, how do you explain that? It's probable that even her parents did not understand or accept her story. But according to Matthew 1.18, the betrothal agreement had been signed, dowry gifts had been given, and friends and relatives knew of the couple's espousal. And then Joseph discovers Mary's baby. Now we have Joseph's dilemma over Mary's baby. Matthew 1 verse 19 says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Joseph wanted to shield Mary from public shame, and most likely from a stoning, and so he decided to divorce her quietly. Joseph must have thought that Mary had committed adultery. But she was a godly woman. She would never have violated her purity and the engagement. Maybe she had been raped. But surely she would have told him that. Well, the third option was that Mary had been chosen by God to be the mother of the Messiah, just as she had said. Joseph was a devout man, a Hebrew. Surely he pondered the fact that the Messiah was to be born of the house of David. So what would he do? Well, to not divorce Mary would represent a failure to uphold the spirit of the law, as stated in Deuteronomy 22. But to dismiss her publicly was unthinkable. He was in a position of not being able to condemn her, or to fully justify her pregnancy. So he decided to secretly divorce her. God had made a special vessel of this noble Hebrew woman. And not wanting to interfere with God's mysterious purposes, he would set her aside. To be obedient to God, Joseph was willing to give up the woman that he so dearly loved. And then Joseph has a dream. 
In Matthew 1, verse 20, we read, But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. What a relief these words must have been to Joseph. When the angel said, Joseph, son of David, we see God's prophetical word being fulfilled and his providence being carried forth that this child should be of the lineage of David. Though Joseph was not Jesus' physical father, by his marriage to Mary, he would give Jesus the legal status because he was of the house and lineage of David. Joseph now understood that the whole matter had been orchestrated by the Lord. The Lord further instructed Joseph that the child's name would be Jesus, for he would save his people from their sins. Matthew 1 verse 21. And as verse 25 states, Joseph called his name Jesus, showing his obedience to God. In verse 23, Matthew goes on to reveal that Jesus' virgin birth fulfilled what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Now, Joseph's decision about Mary's baby. In Matthew 1, 24 and 25, we're told when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. <clears throat> what happened in Joseph's life illustrates what often happens in ours. Max Lucado describes Joseph as being caught between what God says and what makes sense. Yet, as Lucado observes, Joseph did not let his confusion disrupt his obedience. He did not know everything, but he did what he knew. God made sure that everything in his plan would be carried out to the minutest detail because the purity of Jesus must be protected. This baby must doubtless be the son of the Holy Spirit and not the son of Joseph. In chapter 1 of his gospel, Matthew reiterates this reality so clearly. But the question is, why Joseph? To fulfill God's plan, God needed a man who was sturdy, stable, and practical, yet sensitive to the voice of God. He needed one who would stand quietly with a young virgin, who might have seemed an object of ridicule, yet who carried in her womb the hope of the world. Joseph was strong but compassionate. He was able to lead the tiring expedition to Bethlehem and to the stable to love and encourage the mother of Christ. Joseph, as the man of the house, was the teacher to give Jesus his first lessons in the law of God. And in Jerusalem, when the boy was 12, 
and it became evident that his first allegiance must be to another father, Joseph was the man who humbly and silently stepped back and let God step forward. Joseph never spoke a word in the Christmas story, but what he did speaks volumes to us all. One of the lessons that comes from Joseph's life is that the most important thing in all the world can happen to the least important people in the world. That is, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords can take up residence in the most ordinary lives. That the greatest somebody who ever lived can come to nobodies like Joseph and Mary and you and me. And isn't this the very attitude that God requires from us? Lord God, just tell me what to do and I will do it. I will be obedient anytime, any place, anything, anywhere. Lord God, I don't understand it and it does not make sense. And as far as I know, it's never happened before in the history of the world. But if you say it, I will do it. A British student was having a good time in England studying engineering and in his spare time riding his motorcycle all over the English countryside. On a cold and rainy night, he crashed his motorcycle in a very remote section of England and lay injured on the road for many hours. By the time he was hospitalized, pneumonia had set in and the doctors gave him maybe two weeks to live. During those two weeks, a letter arrived from his father, who was a missionary in Angola. The letter, written many months before the accident, finally arrived by ship. The young man opened the letter and read his father's first words. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done in Christ will last. These words so stabbed his heart that he gathered up his strength, pulled himself out of bed, and knelt down to pray, Lord, you have won. I now own you as King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, if you'll heal my body, I will serve you anywhere, anytime, at any cost. The boy recovered and went on to become a powerful pastor and evangelist. His name was Stephen Olford. God brought him into a position of significant usefulness through the tragedy of an accident, but most of all through his willingness to say, anywhere, anytime, at any cost. And that's essentially what Jesus said when he came to earth as our Savior. Lord God, anywhere, anytime at any cost, reflecting the prophetical words of Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Mary echoed the same commitment to God after the angel announced that she would give birth to the Savior of the world. In Luke 1, verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. In other words, anywhere, anytime, at any cost. 
And when Joseph received the angel's message, he walked away from what made human sense to do what God asked him to do anywhere, anytime, at any cost. Are we willing to say, Lord, I will serve you anywhere, anytime, at any cost? Long ago, that was the road to Bethlehem. And today, it's the road to victory in the life of a true believer. It's a happy day when we recognize that we do not have to completely understand everything that God is doing in order to obey. God reserves the right to give us what we need to know as we need to know it and reveal the rest in due time. Some of the most exciting things that have happened to me have been when I said to God before I knew what I was saying yes to. Joseph and Mary could not possibly have known the eternal things that would happen from their obedience. But thank God they obeyed. And most of all, thank God for his indescribable gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to be our Savior. Thank you.